Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League Review Show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another special edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show, the 2020 CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal postgame show. Ladies and gentlemen, the impossible has happened. Los Angeles Football Club has defeated Cruz Azul by a final. A final of two goals to one. They traded penalties, and then a big goal coming in from Opoku, and boy, oh boy, I'm telling you right now, MLS, with the lone representative, is going to take on a big matchup. To join me to discuss this one from Switch the Pitch, Araceli Villanueva covering LAFC. Uh, Araceli, welcome back. And it's taken almost a full season just to have a match being played because that first leg was never played during the the start of the pandemic. But LAFC comes up big, big, big win to advance into the semifinals. Thank you for having me back. And, yes, I am still trying to catch my breath from this match. We knew going into this match it was going to be – it was shaping up to be an entertaining one for sure. Seeing Cruz Azul um, having suffered an embarrassing exit from Liga MX semifinals to losing their head coach just days after, and also enduring um, a dozen positive cases on LAFC side. Similar case in the sense that uh, we saw them continuing the playoffs without Diego Rossi, Brian Rodriguez, uh, Palacios, Cifuentes, all due to having tested positive while abroad for international duty. So to have that full roster back on the field again and just to see them get that thunderous win and still being the lone MLS club to survive in the CCO, it's just exhilarating and as you mentioned, they we just watched the impossible. We really did. Uh, they are currently the furthest American side in the CONCACAF Champions League since the New York Rebels in the 2018 edition. Uh, they defeated Olympia, who's now in the semifinals, of course. They defeated and swept Club Tijuana, who was their first Liga MX opponent in both legs, 2-0 at uh, <clears throat> at the uh, Stadio Caliente, then back at Red Bull Arena, three goals to one, five, one on aggregate. And, of course, they had to uh, lose to Guadalajara, Chivas of Guadalajara, one nil. And uh, here is LAFC with an opportunity to take on a huge, huge opponent in Club America. And uh, it's just unbelievable to see what the hell just happened. And that's going to be a huge matchup coming up Saturday night back at Explorer Stadium in downtown Orlando. Yes, I, I completely agree that we will 
see another big matchup this Saturday with Club America. And, of course, the infamous uh, Guillermo Ochoa potentially in goal again. Similar situation with that we saw with Gerardo and Cruz Azul, just LAFC constantly pounding on their door, trying to get past Ochoa. I have faith that the black and gold can pull this off because even today, um, Atlanta United did beat Club America 1-0. However, they were still eliminated on the aggregate of 3-1. to So it's not impossible, but it, it's, there's still a team to watch out for. No, they really are, um, and they are going to be very difficult to take on this coming Saturday night in downtown Orlando. Let's go to the matchup. Um, they, like I said earlier, they uh, traded penalties with each other. Uh, both sides converted their penalties. On the penalty for uh, Cruz Azul, to me, it looked like not enough contact on that challenge to defend their goal. I didn't see anything um, from the clearance of the ball, maybe a tiny bit of a shove from one of your defenders. Uh, the keeper did not even bring him down, but I guess just a tap on the shoulder was just enough to call the penalty there. And, of course, uh, Yoshi Yotun, who was once with Vancouver Whitecaps, he converts it with the Panenka. Yes, and I think this match was definitely kept in the very beginning. Uh, Cruz Azul had a solid chance in the, I believe it was around the fifth or seventh minute, where they send the ball over Vermeer into the net. However, it was called back for being offside. Diego Rossi goes to answer it, but his strike hits the crossbar. Moments later, we see Utoon convert the penalty to give Cruz Azul that one, that one zero lead. And it did, the match kind of sets off from there. You kind of get a, a, a tone of it. And fortunately, you know, excuse me, before the half. That's we okay. Saw, <laughs> we saw Vela Goliath with another penalty. And it kind of gave you a, a feeling of, okay, is this game going to be win solely on penalties? But fortunately, coming down to almost the last minute in the 71st minute to be exact, Puku comes in with a thunderous strike to give the black and gold the game winner. Neg, you got it. What a rip in the second half by Quadwo Opoku. What a low smasher that was. I got to tell you, when the corner was delivered, um, you were hoping for someone to get onto that ball and, and put it in the net. And po- Opoku did it coming in as a substitute in this one. And he pay, repays uh, Bob Bradley's faith, uh, putting him in there and scoring the match winner. What was the feeling from your point of view? Just disbelief. The utter disbelief. It, it kind of took me back to in February when the team – when we were playing Club Leon and you saw them just score goal after goal and we left that stadium with, I believe it was a 3-1 to one victory. I would have to uh, research it later. But it, it just kind of took me back to that moment, that feeling of, oh, my God, we just did that. <laughs> and even, Bob, uh, even Bob's reaction said it all. 
because throughout the whole match, he had this very stoic type of look. And after Opoku scored that goal, he just completely melts down in pure joy. And I think that's what every LEFC fan was feeling in that moment. Oh, it's just amazing to see uh, all the hard work that Bob Bradley has put into this LAFC club last year. You, um, you, you see uh, them winning the Supporter Shield in 2019. That puts them here into the CONCACAF Champions League. You go from uh, that into a trek, a little bit of a separation in matches, of course, due to the pandemic, but still, though, you are you watch this club go from the impossible to the possible against Club Leon, and then taking on Cruz Azul and getting that magical moment that puts LAFC into a semifinal matchup against Club America. And uh, you know what can you say about what this club has done? What did you ever think in the short amount of time since this club was an expansion side that they would get? this far into the international club competition in the CONCACAF? Naturally, whenever you see an expansion team enter the league, you want to see them perform well throughout the season. But I think LESC has continued to set that bar every season. They always seem to pull off those, um, as you mentioned, you know, making the impossible possible. We saw them go to the playoffs in their first run. Again, they return to the playoffs, and this time around winning the um, Supporters' Shield and now landing a spot in the CCL is just outstanding work of what Bob Bradley has been able to do throughout these years. Nor It's normal to criticize some of his moves, and I think that goes for every club manager, but you have to, because he does seem to know what he's doing, and he is putting a quality team together and giving them that message of hope for every game. Of course, this season, this season in general, 2020 in general, has been a very unorthodox year. So to see them thrive during these uncertain times up until this moment has been truly inspiring. It really has. Uh, Tristan Blackman, of course, Nasty non-contact injury he had was trying to challenge for the ball and somehow how he landed on the ground, on the floor, just, um, you know, how do you say to yourself that, you know, how, how did he not get seriously injured? Then, of course, he got back in there and then his legs started to give out a little bit and then that was it. Bob Bradley subbed him out. I know you don't know right now. Hopefully you will very shortly when you get on that Zoom call. Um, how he'll be progressing and how he'll be feeling. But um, do you feel that would be a huge loss to lose Tristan Blackman uh, on the back line, especially the fullback, um, for that semifinal if he cannot go? Tristan Blackman has definitely come into his own over the seasons, and it would be heartbreaking to see him miss out on Saturday's match if it turns out to be a type of sprain or it, it didn't seem serious because he was able to kind of move around the third go before uh, Bob finally made that decision to sub him out. Again, you know, it would be heartbreaking to see him miss that match, but if it's necessary so he could be healthy 
for the final next week, then that's what needs to be done. Yep, exactly. It's going to be very fun and very interesting to see how all this is going to transpire when we get to Saturday. But I will say this. Um, it, it's just been an amazing ride to watch this. And at the same time, you couldn't play your first leg because the pandemic halted the first leg uh, that you were supposed to play against Cruz Azul. This was a one-and-donner. And now everything from your match till the finals, it's all one-and-done. Downtown Orlando Explorer Stadium, the Purple Palace on Church Street. Uh, if you have any more thoughts on this one, Araceli, please. I want to hear it. I want to this this is going to be something special on Saturday night, that's for sure. Saturday night is shaping up to be a special night. Hopefully, you know, the black and gold can pull off what they were able to do tonight. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we did see Club America lose to Atlanta 1-0, so it's not to say we should be underestimating them, but it's it's similar if we analyze Cruz Azul with losing their coach, losing players, and they were able to still give a quality uh, physical performance uh, throughout the match. Even though the beginning was a little choppy, they were still trying to fill out things. But you can never underestimate anybody in this tournament, and hopefully – uh, the black and gold can prove themselves again and continue to make history. All right, Araceli, I'm going to let you go. I know you have to get to that Zoom call for the press conference, so have a good night. I will talk to you Saturday night, this coming Saturday night, for the semifinal review. Uh, congratulations. I know you and every other LAFC supporter is excited about this, and it's going to be a lot of fun on Saturday night. Thank you so much. You have a good night. And take care. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Araceli Villanueva, switch the pitch. Taking on and covering LAFC. They go on and defeat Cruz Azul by a final of two goals to one. The last MLS side to hope and pray that they are going to be the ones advancing into the semifinals. And boy, oh boy, did they deliver in this one against Cruz Azul. We are going to move on now once again. John Jagu from SoccerChronicles.com, Canteen MX Podcast. And John, before we even get to uh, Club America's win over Atlanta, what do you got to say about that matchup with LAFC and Cruz Azul? I mean, there was no quit. There was nothing wrong. Both sides going for it. And it ended up being a brilliant quarterfinal matchup uh, good evening Daniel it was uh it was a fun match to watch I think uh the uh, uh you know obviously they had some some players out they had a coaching change after their disaster in the uh, Liga MX uh, playoff uh, after going up 4-0 against my Pumas and then losing the second leg 4-0 and getting knocked out so they just uh you know, it didn't seem to me like they really had the 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 energy that one would expect to play in, in a game like this. And they had a lot of uh, lineup changes. Uh, you know, players that were you know playing a lot out of position because of you know the the COVID tests. And you know, I give full credit to, to LAFC. They uh, went down one zero with a 
penalty kick, they got one of their own, which uh, was, uh, was 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 spotty at best. And then they got the uh, they got the game win in the second half and and, and played. I mean, they didn't. Uh, Cruz Azul. I don't think they had a shot on goal uh, from the point that LAFC scored the the game winner through through the end of the match. So uh, they you know they did what they had to do, and uh, you know I don't think that Concacaf could be any happier with with having a a semifinal matchup between uh, you know the the glamour team of Liga MX, which is Comerica, and the and the media darlings in MLS, which are LAFC. It's a, you know, they couldn't have asked for a, a better, you know, a better matchup on a, on a Saturday night, which is exactly what they're going to get. So I think that, you know, I would assume that uh, not just CONCACAF, but the Liga MX and MLS have, have got to be ecstatic. I mean, they're, 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 they, they, they couldn't be happier with what, uh, with, 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 with the, the matchup. And then if LAFC and Tigres make it to the final, then they'll be doubly happy. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I mean, what we've seen so far, I mean, um the Liga MX clubs have been solid, they've been strong. Um I mean, really not much of a challenge for uh Club America. Just you just have to make sure that you don't get burned in the beginning, you don't get burned in the middle, and even though LA, uh, Atlanta scored that lone goal, the truth is is that um, you know, uh, Club America was able to have the clamps down and tighten their grip on Atlanta to just, you know, okay, you get your consolation prize, and that's as far as it goes, and we're just not going to let you uh, beat us. Right. Uh, you know, they had a good good goalkeeping from Ochoa, and, uh, you know, I don't no, think the, the outcome was ever, was, was ever going to be in doubt. Uh, you know, America is not Cruz Azul. I mean, Cruz Azul has been, they're just, they have to be the unluckiest team in, in uh and, you know, at least on you know in this part of the world in the Americas, with you know how many times have they have they gone into important matches and just had just this this unbelievable rash of, of dumb luck, uh, you know, dumb bad luck. Uh, like you know, in this case, you know, they go into a game after just being devastated in uh, you know in, in the local league, and then having you know the coach step down, having you know players in this case. Because, because they you know they tested positive for, for COVID nineteen and they go up against uh, a very strong team in LAFC and you know I don't necessarily think LAFC even played their best match I mean there were times where uh, they had uh, really good opportunities to to get shots on goal and instead of one timing it they're, they're you know they you know try to trap the ball for it so you just you know in, in in a tournament game you know internationally you just you just can't you know, I think that, that 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 to me is is, is the biggest difference between uh, Liga MX and MLS and, and and soccer played in Europe is that is that you just you, you you can't waste a chance like that you 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 can't settle the ball and think that you're going to be able to you know to to, to fire one off and uh, I think LAFC did that a few times uh, so I think it was Cifuentes who did it actually he may, he may have done it twice and, uh, and 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 again I'm not saying that L, that, that Liga MX uh, don't because because you know there are many players in Liga MX that are guilty of the exact same thing and I, that that's a you know that that is the one area of, of of the game that I think is really holding both Liga MX and MLS back is that they just they just uh, their confidence in front of goal I think is just is just not there it, it, it's not as strong yeah. as it should be and they just they don't they don't they they don't trust themselves enough to you know it's, you don't have to you know soccer is a sport you know you don't have to blast it in the net all you have to do is get it by the keeper and it doesn't matter how you do it 
and I think that that's that that's an area where where uh, both leagues I think I, I think can improve vastly. And, and uh, LAFC had some super chances tonight where they they could have done that, and for whatever reason the, the players decided that they needed to settle the ball and and try something different. And you just you know for LAFC sake, you know you know they were lucky that they were able to uh, to get the win because they, you know if they go back and look at the tape after a loss and see you know we had these gigantic chances that we just didn't even take. Um, you know, that's something that they're uh, going to have to work on because, uh, you know, America is, uh, you know, they are a, a true and tried and tested turn- tournament team. They know that th- they've won many, many, many tournaments. Uh, th- it doesn't matter who the coaches, who the players are. I mean, they are the most, and it just pains me to say it, but they're the, the, the most successful team in the Americas and then have been for years. And it's going to take a, a, a gigantic effort from LAFC to, uh, to, to get by them because I mean, they, they are the giants of the area and I don't think, and I don't think oh, anybody yeah. will argue with me. I mean, that, that, that's just, it, it is who they are. Oh no, no, I won't argue with that either. I mean, I'll be honest with you because we have a very good um, Mexican American population, especially, I mean, I know Los Angeles and New York city are the two bigger areas where there's a lot, a lot of uh, Guadalajara supporters. I know there's a lot of Club America supporters uh, in New York, especially in the Bronx. Believe me, I know know at least two or three of them uh, that love Club America. They have their gear and everything. Um, So without a doubt, if if you love Chivas, if you love Club America, those are the two... Most that I'm aware of that has a huge fan base in both cities. Oh, I mean, they have a huge, America has a huge fan base, you know, anywhere in Mexico, anywhere in the States. Uh, I mean, uh, South Texas is, is kind of a, well, you know, and Cruz Azul is kind of the same way. I mean, they, they have a, you know, you know, there's a reason why, uh, you know, I mean, they're considered one of one of one of the four, you know, big, the, the big four in Mexico or, or Chivas America and Cruz Azul and, and Pumas. Uh, you know, those are the, easily the four most popular teams, at least on a national basis. But, like, you know, you know my project, mm-hmm. I live in South Texas, uh, especially over the past 10 years or so, you know, with, with uh, the Monterrey teams that have, that have done pretty well. So we have a, a little infiltration in there. But, I mean, I, I've been to games, you know, exhibition games in San Antonio that Cruz Azul was playing. I think it was Monterrey. And, and this is, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking 150 miles from the border. And it was 80% Cruz Azul fans in the stands and, and, and 20%, uh, I think it was Monterrey, Monterrey fans. So, uh, you know, they, 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 these are big teams. They have, they have big followings, but but no team has a bigger following uh, in Mexico and, and as far as fans in the U.S. than, than Pura America. I mean, they are, they are the dominant team of the area. Uh, and, uh mm-hmm. Like I said, I think it's you know now you know that that's not to say that uh, that the LAFC can't do it. I mean, America has a good team and all, but they're not they're not unbeatable. I mean, they 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 have some weaknesses. You know, they also had a disappointing end to, to, to their season. They didn't necessarily look all that good against uh, against Atlanta FC. Uh, you know, they played okay. I mean, I mean they, they also had a the luxury of of uh, sitting on a three goal lead, which which helps. Uh, you know, Cruz Azul and LAFC yeah, didn't have that luxury. They, they had to. They both had to go out and chase the game, and I think I think LAFC from beginning to end were a much more. Uh, they were um, much more 
uh, balance as, as far as trying to execute, try to execute their game plan. And they, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just they. T- I think they t- they they took Kusasula out of this because I mean they fouled Kusasula a lot, and you know it's not it's not the prettiest soccer, but it was very effective. I don't think Kusasula, uh, you know, at least their playmakers just didn't. Um, they never got going. Uh, Pineda never got going. Uh, Romo, for whatever reason, you know, their best player of the whole season, they decided to move out of his position. So it's like you know it's it, it's just it's it's it, it's decisions like that. You just look at the with the coach like dude it's it's a one-off what are you doing you know uh, it just <laughs> it just makes but again you know the coach uh Jaime Morganis is an interim and you know they had some some players that uh, that that had test positive so they couldn't play so I mean right. if LAFC was going to catch Cruz Azul uh, you know you, you get a one-off and a neutral site and and they're losing some players you got to take advantage of it and LAFC did and their their prize now is that they go to a semifinal where uh, you know, in all likelihood, uh, their path to the final means that they're going to beat the the team that has historically been Mexico's best, and then the team that has been Mexico's best over the past five years. You know, if they, if they can overcome those two hurdles, then that, that is a, a then they are truly, regardless of you know people want to put asterisks or whatever it is, you know this is this has been a tough year, and uh, oh yeah, it, and so so to me you know in a any time that you could, that you have a chance to, to want to do it, and regardless of circumstance, even in extremely difficult circumstances like we've had to deal with all of us over the past uh, nine months, then I think it's a tribute to the players and the coaches, and also to the uh, tournament staff to, you know, moving heaven and earth to, you know, to, to to give us this opportunity as fans to watch these games, uh, to kind of give us a, a two-hour distraction of the craziness that's happening outside our walls. So. Uh, you know, I, I do hope that we see on Saturday uh, in both matches, you know, some very compelling, you know, there's, and again, I'm not, I'm not counting on EP out either because, uh, you know, Tigres is, uh, uh, again, you know, they're, they're, they're a good team, but it's not, it's, they're not unbeatable. So I do expect them to win, but I got to tell you, I think the LAFC Blue America match is going to be more of a toss up than it should be. And uh, it would not mm-hmm. shock me at all if LAFC, uh, you know, if they go to penalties, then, you know, <laughs> who knows what I, I was fully expecting Cruz Azul to get the late equalizer and then lose to penalties. <laughs> uh, just, just so that's was just I. How I was expecting that, too. Because <laughs> that's just Listen, how let me tell you. I mean, honestly, John. 20 years. No, exactly. No, John, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was on, I was on, the, I was on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, they're going to get the equalizer. It's going to be the equalizer. They're going to make it 2-2. They're going to go straight to penalties. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. And it never came. And that was unbelievable. Right. I want to actually talk about I, – I just want to talk about Carlos Vela for a second. We all know how technically gifted he is. He's superb with the ball. You know, He's able to fake out his defender whenever he gets the opportunity, and he pulls the keeper off his line. And he it just taps it in. He's absolutely wonderful. At this stage, I'm assuming he's still late 20s, early 30s. Is he more of an emotional leader right now for LAFC or more of an emotional player uh, to possibly ride a, uh, his, his club mates on his back and take him to victory? Uh, you know, yes. You know, I think, I'll be honest, I mean, I think he's a, he's a great player. He's, a, he's unbelievably skilled. Uh, I think that soccer is boring to him. I think that it, it, that it is his job and not his passion. And I think that, that, okay. that had it been his passion, I think that we would have seen a player 
who would have been, uh, I mean, I, I think that we, in all honesty, I think we've maybe seen about, you know, Carlos Vela at, at maybe at 60 or 70% of, of how good he could have been. Because, again, it just wasn't, um, excuse me, it wasn't, uh, it, it, just, it just wasn't as important to him as, as it is to other athletes, that, you know, that are professional athletes. That, 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 don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I know that, you know, he's a professional and, and, and he did. But I don't think that he was the kind of guy that would, you know, get to practice early and leave late, and uh, you know, you know, be like the gym rat kind of guy. That just that just wasn't him. Now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that said, I think that you know him getting married and having a family, obviously that 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 changed him a little bit, and you know, he's 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 been a lot more serious about about his craft, and uh, and he's you know he's obviously you know gotten better, but you know he's been a professional since he was 15. I mean, imagine what you, what you were like when you were 15. And, you know, you know, and then he and Giovanni and all these guys, you know, they were in Europe playing for Arsenal. And then, you know, Vela bounced around to Salamanca and uh, uh, Osasuna and then went, you know, went back to Arsenal and then got, you know, you know went out on loan a few times, went, went to Spain. You know, got to live in San Sebastián for four years. I mean, good Lord. I mean, have you ever, have you ever been to San Sebastián? It's incredible. It is, it is, it is a no, I have picture not. postcard town. It is a picture oh, postcard really? town. Oh, really? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's on the coast. I mean it's a, it's a little it's a it's a it's a sleepy Basque fisherman town. It's got incredible beaches. It's it's it, it is a great great place. And uh, you know so so the, and and then going to L.A. He uh, you know obviously was just you know it, it, it definitely lit a fire on because of, you know you know he was I mean I mean look at the the the, the his run in L.A.F.C. has been you know nothing short of spectacular except for this year where you know he was he, he was injured and. Uh, but uh, you know, as far as being the leader, I think that and that's, yeah, that's, I think that he might be an emotional, but he's definitely the leader of that team, uh, oh, whether yeah. it's emotional or, or you know whatever it is. But the, the player that I think that America has to watch out for is, uh, is uh, Diego Rossi. I think he's he's really good. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I think that I mean, and he had a he had a really good chance tonight. That 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 players see, and and, and that to me is the biggest difference between like he and like and his teammates is that Rossi. You know, understands you know you know where where he's come from. You know where he was trained. That if you have that chance, you got to take it. And and he had a chance, and he took it, and he and he came so close to scoring. And and his win his window of, of getting that ball through was like just tiny. But he knew that that was the only place he could do it. And uh, yeah. So I do I do think that the uh, America uh, obviously they're going to key on Vela, but to me I think the key of that game is going to be Rossi. You know they don't have to go to the Azteca. Uh, uh, LAFC. You know, this isn't a two-legged final. This is a one-off. I mean, they couldn't have asked for, yep. for a better situation. Neutral site, uh, you know, not having to go to you know to altitude, not having to go. I mean, and let's be honest, if if, if LAFC played uh, America, I don't necessarily know if they would sell out the Azteca, but they, there would be at least six thousand fans. It would be it, it would be yeah. intimidating, and they don't have to deal with that. So I mean, the, the opportunity for LAFC to to beat, you know, to to, to slay a, a couple of really really big important teams uh, in, in Mexico to win the Champions League. I mean, they, they couldn't have asked. I mean, the, the it is right there for them to take. Let's see if they can do it. I mean, I, that, I, that to me is a story of, uh, of, of the semifinal. Can LAFC take advantage of this gigantic opportunity they have in front of them? I agree with you there. And let me also ask you this. Do you think this would be a big story? You got Miguel Herrera of Club America – 
taking on Bob Bradley of LAFC. I mean, to me, you've got two big personalities from each country. You know, they both manage the national team. Uh, they're, they're both like big, uh, big time coaches who have managed club sides to champion, to, to titles and everything. I mean, you know, Bob Bradley, MLS cup title in their inaugural season in 1998, uh, uh, two or at least two open cup titles. Herrera's won titles as well. You know, even the gold cup championship, uh, the one year that he was their manager, uh, that beat Jamaica, uh, in, uh, I think in Philadelphia, I, I mean, to me, you got two big names going after each other, and it's all going to be a chess match. I think this would probably be the best chess match that Concacaf will ever have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, both coaches. I mean, are I mean, you know, outside of maybe Bruce Arena, you have to say that that uh, that, that that Bob Bradley has been one of the more successful coaches in MLS, and 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 Piojo's resume, as as you pointed out, speak you know speaks for itself. I mean. Uh, you know, he's been coaching for a long time. He's coached uh, teams that have won championships. He's coached teams that have been relegated. So he understands both, both ends of the business extremely well. Uh, you know, the, the fact the fact that, that Piojo Herrera has been at America as long as he has, and, and and if you think about it, like his 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 spell at uh, you know with the national team was kind of you know in between his his runs at a you know America before Piojo got there was was in complete disarray. They were a mess. They had terrible coaching. They had made terrible decisions as far as uh, the players they were bringing in. They did have a player, Samuel Cabanas, the, the Paraguayan, who unfortunately was uh, was shot at a nightclub and you know right 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 oh. at the peak of his powers, and, and they had a really hard time. I mean, it's it's hard to replace someone as talented as he was, and it took him a long time to do that. But uh, you know, Piojo comes in, he he you know immediately gets him into the playoffs. They win a title a year later. They. Uh, you know, he goes and coaches the national team. And has a little mess up with, with the national. You know, he, you know, he uh, pays for. You know, he does his penance in Tijuana. You know, gets them to. You know, the year he's at Tijuana, they don't win a title, but if you combine both seasons, they ended up with the most points. So he obviously, in the one year at Tijuana, you, you know, got them playing really well. So he goes back to America, and he's been there ever since. I mean, and, and coaches. You know, at America particularly, they just don't last, you know, usually longer than, you know, two years, three years at the most. He's been there, you know, I think this is his fourth or fifth year at uh, at America. And I think I'm at like six overall. I mean, that that's impressive. I mean, I mean that that to me says that the, uh, you know, that the front office has faith in him. It would not surprise me at all, you know, having, you know, saying this, that if, uh, you know, once once this run is over, win or lose, it would not shock me at all to see uh, uh, Piojo go and coach the uh, Colombian national team. I think that that's something that's uh, that that that, could, that is a very uh, very viable option for him, and I think it would be great for him. Maybe great for Mexico. It'd be great for Mexican coaching. Mexican coaching needs to get out, get out of Mexico. They need they need to uh, excuse me. They need to you know you know you know try try coaching in other play. I mean, I have nothing but respect for Bob Bradley that he goes and coaches. Uh, did he, coach, did he coach Egypt or Algeria? I forget. I think it was, I think yes, he Egypt, did. Wasn't it? Yes, he. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think uh, and Vasco Aguirre did the same thing. You know, he's he's coached uh, spots, and I, I would love to see Mexican coaches get out of their comfort zone and do the same thing. And I think the the one that's gonna that's gonna lead the, the charge in that, you know, with 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 Javier Aguirre coming back to, to Monterrey, is gonna be uh, is gonna be Miguel Herrera, and I think it's gonna start after this after this tournament's over. You know, I just want to say about Miguel, um, excuse me, um, 
Uh, who was it that managed the Mexico in the 2002 World Cup? No, uh, Javier Aguirre. Yeah, Javier yeah, Aguirre. I've always said, Javier Aguirre, yes. Uh, I've always said that if he ever coached the U.S. men's national team, I would I would not mind it because I think he's that good. I think he's very, very talented as a manager. And I think he would get maybe a little bit more than normal. Obviously, it didn't happen, but I wouldn't mind having him manage the U.S. men's national team if he ever got that opportunity. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he'd be. I mean, you know, he was a terrific. I mean, he coached. You know, he took he took Osasuna, which is you know as as uh, as modest a Spanish club as, as there could be to the Champions League when he was there. You know, he goes and coaches uh, Atletico mm-hmm. Madrid. You know, does you know? Of course, that was when when uh, the arms race between Barcelona and Real Madrid was you know at its heaviest. But but he still was very respectful mm-hmm. of them. You know, you know, he got he got them to the Champions League uh, before Diego Simeone. But I mean, there's really. Diego Simeone was was taking uh, Vasco's team. You know, he took over Vasco's team and has obviously done real well with it. And then you know, then he goes back to Mexico. He goes to he he, he bounces. He goes to Saragossa. He goes to Egypt. You know, he goes he goes to some places here and there. Uh, I don't necessarily think he wanted to come back to Mexico. I think that they they made him a really good offer, and I think that it was an offer that he that he took on his terms. And uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, he 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 was. Yeah, but but unfortunately there were no coaches that followed him, and and I do think that uh, the Miguel Herrera, uh, Nacho Ambristo, the the coach that just won the championship with Leon, I mean that is his goal. He was actually a, a Aguirre's assistant when he was in Erosasuna and at uh, at, 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 at Atlético in, in, in Madrid. So uh, you know he has ambitions to go to Europe. I think I think Herrera, you know the. the you know, Herrera's reputation outside of Mexico is really good. I mean, he, I mean, people, people know who he is, and, and you know that that's to me the, the the biggest problem with Mexican soccer is that as good as it is, the league, I'm talking about the league. No one mm-hmm. outside of the U.S. and Mexico knows knows how good it is because they had, they do a terrible job of marketing themselves, just a terrible job of marketing themselves worldwide. It's really unfortunate. I mean, it's. I mean, it my, in my opinion, it's it's a top ten league in the world, and you and and you and you'd never know it by asking them because, or or even by watching the Mexican journals because all they talk about is about all the bad stuff that happens. And, and, you know, as if as if the Mexican league is the only league in the world where bad stuff happens. You know. Hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Before I, before uh, we end it, I have a quick question to ask you. When did NBC Sports uh, have a deal to broadcast Liga MX in English? Well, they only have they only have Chivas because Telemundo. You have to remember that that Liga MX isn't like uh, the NFL; it's more like Major League Baseball, which again is insane because they don't have enough inventory to do this. But but each team negotiates their own television contract instead of the league doing it as a whole. And so Chivas uh, this year was on Telemundo, which is owned by NBC. So NBC says, right. well, then we'll, well, the, the English language rights will put on NBC Sports Network. So that's why that's why occasionally you see. No, they didn't do it the whole season. They just did it for you know a couple of their their bigger matches. But uh, I mean, they could, they reserve right. the right. I mean, they have the right. You know, they they own the rights, so they can do it. Uh, you know, they they can do it. So that that was why. Hopefully, okay. they'll do it more. All right. Well, I mean, you know, I don't mind seeing it, and uh, I wouldn't mind it. You know, uh, having uh, Liga MX on, uh, and maybe the maybe the FMF well, you know, or. Uh, or FS1 and FS2 shows uh, Tijuana, the Tijuana home games and Monterey's home games. So there's, you, know, uh, you can watch uh, Liga, you, and I think Santos too. I think they have the Santos games as well. So, 
Oh, okay. There you that's go. Kind of, yeah, that's great. Well, Daniel, I got to go. There you go. I have a 7 a.m. call tomorrow, so I've, I've got to get going. But no, you go ahead, and no. um, I hope to have you back on Saturday night. And uh, once the schedule's confirmed, then off we go. But listen, thanks again for coming on, John. I really appreciate it. You have a good night. Dan, you tell pleasure. the boys on the podcast. I said hi. Enjoy the rest of your Hanukkah, and uh, we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you again uh, soon. Yep. Talk to you soon. Have a good night, John. Cheers. John Jagu, SoccerChronicles.com, and League of, and the, excuse me, the Cantina MX podcast, talking about League MX and everything in the Mexican national team as well. Uh, finally, I uh, had a quick conversation with uh, Jason Longshore, uh, radio analyst of 92.9 FM The Game, and radio analyst for Atlanta United, talking about the 1-0 victory, but the 3-1 loss on aggregate to Club America, Jason Longshore once again. Daniel Feuerstein here, Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show, the CONCACAF Champions League, brought back second leg. The, uh, Atlanta United down 3-0 on aggregate. They did pull one back late, but not enough. So for this segment, we have, of course, Jason Longshore from 92.9 FM The Game, uh, radio analyst for Atlanta United. Jay, um, I think the real goal here from Club America, uh, just basically clamp it down and uh, don't even bother with anything. Yeah, to a degree. Uh, I mean, I think Atlanta United came in and, and played maybe the best we've seen from them since what, Joseph Martinez's injury. Um, they needed that break. I think they needed to get away for a minute. You know, they had been feeling the pressure in the end of the, re- the MLS regular season, fighting to try to get into the postseason, you could kind of see it in Franco Escobar uh, at the end of the Columbus game where he lashed out. I mean, it, it uh, kind of showed what they were dealing with. And here, look, you're down 3-0, you can play free. And Atlanta played well. You know, they had chances. They uh, probably should have had at least one more. Club America didn't have a lot of urgency because they didn't need to. They had a 3-0 lead. But no. I think it's it's a little bit of both. You know, like Club America was pretty safe, but Atlanta United also played pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought they played very strong. I thought they uh, attacked well. Just nothing concrete in front of the goal except until uh, Jackson uh, found a way to bury that ball. I mean, he smashed it off his head and into the top near corner. Um, late, unfortunately, and uh, Atlanta United sadly falls on aggregate 3-1, even though they win the match 1-0. Yeah, so happy for Jackson Conway. Uh, just recently signed his MLS homegrown deal. Signed an Atlanta United 2 deal. He went down a different road than a lot of young, talented players did. He was a member of Atlanta United's academy from day one. He played in the first games that the academy played, and has progressed up the ladder, played for Atlanta United 2 in 2018 in the USL and did well as an academy player and signed a USL deal. Didn't wait and try to get a homegrown deal. He signed a USL deal and played for Atlanta United 2 for the last two years. And if you watched highlights from the USL championship, you've probably seen some Jackson Conway goals in there. He doesn't just score run-of-the-mill boring goals, it seems like. He pulls out some pretty spectacular ones. This was a great header, and it's a great moment, I think, for the club because it's two homegrowns in George Bello and Jackson Conway who were there from day one in the academy who combined for that goal. He just needed it a little bit earlier. 
No, definitely. I mean, it's always a great sign when you have homegrowns developing, doing great things uh, in the USL, and then they come into MLS, or at least playing in these international competitions, club competitions, and they really produce out there. Uh, give Memo Choa a lot of credit. Still a world-class keeper uh, in this confederation, and he proved it again on Atlanta on at least that sequence just before uh, Jackson got that goal. Yeah, I mean, six saves for, for Memo Ochoa, seven shots on target for Atlanta. He, he doesn't give you anything easy. He, he makes you work for it. And he had that sequence where he had to make a couple of big saves, had another big, good save on Ezekiel Barco earlier. Memo Ochoa, he's still got it. He's still one of the best shot stoppers in this hemisphere. And he gives Club America a lot of confidence, you know. I mean, even when they're, you know, a little shaky at times in this one, they they know they have a goalkeeper who can win the game for them on his own, and he's done that so many times over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we all know Atlanta United's going back to the Champions League next, uh, this upcoming February, due to the Everybody's fact that... really uh, happy about that, too, aren't yeah, they? Oh, yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> um, I'm kind of happy about it, I'm not going to lie. Well, of course. I mean, you get a couple extra radio days. Why not? <laughs> hey, exactly. But you'll be missing definitely. You'll be, you'll be missing Marcelliano uh, Moreno. He got the red card late after he got tackled from behind, and of course, the man who tackled him down got booked. But he kicked out at him, and he got sent off. So he'll be suspended oh, for that first tackle. Night. That that tackle, and and this is not just a Concacaf thing. It's that kind of tackle has to be given a red consistently worldwide. It's a scissors tackle from behind. It's how people get hurt. Yep. You know, you don't want to see people kick out. You don't want to see those kinds of red cards. But I understand the frustration for Marcelino Moreno. Oh, absolutely. The first leg. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you, Jay. I mean, that's a type of tackle that should have been uh, ascending off, at least ascending off. Because yep. you can't, I mean, look, Club America is leading 3-1, okay, you know, on aggregate. You know, there's no need for a tackle like that in a match where it's com- nearly over. You're going into second half stoppage time, and then, of course, he got kicked, you know, he kicked out. But what are you going to do, unfortunately? Yeah, the frustration. Yeah, red on Moreno. I don't have a problem with that, but it should have been a red both ways. I think it's one of those that if you had VAR, it's probably going to be a red on both. Yeah. No, absolutely agree with you. Then both should have been sent off, and it would have been 10 on 10. Absolutely agree with you. Well, all I can say is this, Jay. Um, good luck with your off season. Good luck uh, for next year. Happy holidays to you and your family, including uh, Mike Conti, your uh, partner in crime as play-by-play announcer. Hope to see you guys in, and hear you guys in 2021. Thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for always having me on. I really appreciate it. You do great stuff for covering, you know, all kinds of facets of the game as a valuable resource. So happy holidays to you and yours, and uh, we'll be talking in 2021. Yes, we will. Have a good night, Jay. You too. Jason Longshore, 92.9 FM, The Game in Atlanta, Georgia, radio analyst of Atlanta United. So, we have confirmation on the schedule for this coming Saturday night on December the 19th for the semifinals of the 2020 CONCACAF Champions League. And here it is for everyone. Get ready. It's going to be exciting. The first match will be, and once again, I should say this, once again, everything will be over at Explorer Stadium downtown Orlando um, on the... 
near Interstate 4, once again, and not far from the Amway Center. Tigris will be taking on CD Olympia. That will be at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, 5 o'clock Pacific. And then the Nightcapper at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. LAFC taking on Club America. And then the winners will advance to the final, which will be, of course, on Tuesday, December the 22nd. So we'll see if we're going to have ourselves one more CONCACAF Champions League post-match show. It should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And hopefully we can get this sucker done in record time if we do. But once again, the winners in this one in the first matchup, Atlanta United defeating Club America 1-0, but it's Club America on aggregate advancing three goals to one. And then in the one and dunner, you have LAFC winning the match over Cruz Azul by a final of two goals to one. Once again, uh, Tigres hosting Olympia. Uh, in the first match, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. And then the nightcapper, 10.30 Eastern, uh, 7.30 Pacific. LAFC taking on Club America. And we will have our Araceli Villanueva on Saturday as well as John Jagu. But once again, I want to thank them both for coming on. I also want to thank Jason Longshore for coming on. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. This coming Friday night, NPSL Soccer Show, the final show of the uh, 2020 season. And then Saturday night, CONCACAF Champions League semifinals post-match show. My name's Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Have a good night, everyone. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.